The key thing is, don't be inhaling, don't be ingesting. Stay inside, don't drink or eat anything. These are important questions. I understand that. Highest moment the last eight years. Highest moment the last eight years. Well, I think that the most important, the most compelling was uh, was 9-11 itself. Welcome, this is Truth Jihad Radio. Kevin Barrett here broadcasting live on Revolution.Radio, the ultimate free speech radio network, where you can say pretty much anything as long as it's legal and protected by the First Amendment. So it's almost 2023, and tonight, as usual, I'm bringing on some people who tell too much truth. They tell so much truth that they tend to get marginalized. In the second hour, Edward Curtin will discuss his article, Tucker Carlson in the JFK Allegations. And he'll raise that issue about whether Tucker Carlson is the brave good guy that he kind of looks like some of the time, or whether the fact that he comes from a CIA background and he hasn't quite crossed that line between having a CIA source who suspects or or essentially uh, estimates that the CIA was, quote-unquote, involved in the JFK assassination. is It's not necessarily quite the same thing as knowing that they did it and doing something about it. So we'll get into that in the second hour with Ed Curtin, the maverick humanities scholar and internet essayist. Well, now let's get going here in the first hour. My guest is my old RBN colleague. He's an RBN radio host over at Republic Broadcast Network. He's done some of the same types of things I have. He ran for the Senate. I ran for the House. In both cases, uh, neither of us were (laughs) real likely to win, not having raised massive war chests, got the endorsements of APAC and all the other power brokers. And uh, and Mark has been to Iran a few times, like me, I believe. He shows up on press TV every now and then, like me, so we have uh, parallel lives. He's Christian, I'm Muslim. That's probably not quite as different as a lot of people would probably think. We're all we're both waiting for Jesus, the one and only true Messiah, to come back and set things straight. So, hey, uh, let's get into it. Welcome, Mark Dankoff. How are you doing, Mark? Well, it's uh, good to be on the show, Dr. Barrett, and it's uh, good to be hooked up with you in terms of different things going on with veterans today as well. I, uh, do you want to see Alexis talk me into diving in with you guys on a more regular basis. And then, of course, that's hooked me back up with you. And uh, Johnny Punish does a terrific job on these uh, VT news videos. So that's uh, it's a good thing to be uh, for me to be connected with, and I'm uh, very privileged to be on there. That's right. That's And so that's sort of the, the last item on the list of all of these uh, places where our paths cross is Veterans Today, where we're both uh, working. And, yeah, so... What so you're, you're back at VT now for uh, the new year? All sorts of interesting stuff on the horizon. Not all of it good. Some folks think we're living in the end times, and it kind of looks that way sometimes. With uh, nuclear war is a thing again, and uh, it's probably more likely now than it ever was since the Cuban Missile Crisis, at least. And then there's the transhumanist agenda, where a bunch of lunatics essentially want to to bring on the singularity and kill everybody with technology, or maybe enslave everybody with technology. And uh, the world's just getting crazier. COVID is in a bit of a lull, but the bad guys who made it might come up with something worse. 
So it's it's not necessarily the easiest New Year to be super positive and optimistic about what's coming down the pipe. Uh, so how, how do you feel about that? Well, uh, of course, uh, I'm with within the mainstream of a Christian eschatological tradition uh, that vastly predates this dispensational premillennial orientation of uh, 19th century Christian Zionism on into the 21st. But uh, suffice it to say that I think there's an excellent chance that we are living at the end of history. Uh, in the New Testament uh, tradition, uh, Christ uh, indicates, of course, that only God knows the, the time of the second coming of the Son of Man. And I obviously am within that, uh, that belief system. Uh, but obviously, uh, Dr. Baird, as we look at this whole issue of just what's happened in the last 20 to 21 years that, uh, uh, that have transpired since 9-11, uh, the world has changed in innumerable ways at the same time that it pretty much stays the same uh, in regard to the cabal that seems to have a disproportionate amount of power, uh, certainly in the United States government and news media, uh, as well as in the West generally. And this gets back, I think, to what you were talking about at the beginning of the hour, this whole uh, business of marginalization. Uh, if you're involved in the sort of thing that you've been involved in for a long time, that I have been uh, in uh, Jonas C. Alexis and E. Michael Jones and uh, you know all of these other folks, uh, it has a marginalizing impact uh, upon one's calling and career, one's profession outside of this. And uh, certainly it's uh, marginalized many of us economically and politically. Uh, it's marginalized us uh, in many of our local communities uh, where we're seen at best as oddballs. And in this new world order situation that involves the uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security uh, and, uh, and an FBI that clearly is uh, quite friendly with the new world order and quite friendly with uh, censoring legitimate political opinions uh, in their alliance with Twitter and Facebook uh, and with uh, Instagram and Google and all these other things, uh, people like you and I have led pretty strange lives for for a very, very long time now. And that's something that I, I think we perhaps both knew when we got involved in this. But uh, perhaps it's, it's uh, starting to go from mere marginalization to a time when uh, one does not have to be a paranoid schizophrenic to suspect that uh, some of us who've been involved in this sort of uh, truth journalism, as it were, uh, are folks who uh, could conceivably wind up being formally declared as enemies of the state. I was talking about this on uh, RBN today in relationship to 2008, uh, when, of course, that year you had uh, McCain and Barack Obama running against each other. Uh, and that was the same year that it came out that this Missouri Information Action Report uh, uh, indicated beyond a shadow of a doubt that law enforcement in the state of Missouri and presumably in other states as well uh, was working with, with the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security in setting up these so-called fusion centers uh, to uh, uh, begin the process of labeling uh, certain types of people as uh, having so-called potential domestic terrorist profiles. Uh, and, I, and in mentioning this uh, on the air here on your show, uh, certainly uh, it's, it's no secret to you uh, that mainstream uh, Islamic folks 
uh, are many times tagged with this. Uh, the interesting thing about the MIAC report in uh, 2008 was that it was basically profiling uh, white males, uh, heterosexual males, who, uh, quoting the report, were anti-New World Order, uh, had very strongly conservative social views on subjects like abortion and gay marriage. Uh, these are people who, uh, according to the MIAC profile, uh, are legal firearms owners on a disproportionate basis. And unbelievably, that MIAC report that year stated in writing that uh, these so-called potential domestic terrorist types were folks who, uh, in disproportionate numbers, uh, were interested in voting for political candidates like Pat Buchanan, Ron Paul, and Chuck Baldwin of the Constitution Party. Now, of course, when all this came out that year, it leaked out. Uh, that report was subsequently withdrawn. I don't even know if you can find reference made to the MIAC report of 2008 on Google. Uh, but the long and the short of it is that uh, the, the perhaps the most key thing in the MIAC report is that it emerged that the organization that the FBI and the anti-defamation FBI and the Department of Homeland Security were using uh, with these fusion centers in these different states to come up with these ideas and profiles of potential terrorists, quote unquote, was the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith. And uh, interestingly enough, as I also mentioned on RBN today, uh, the Times of Israel uh, came out with a report in the last several days about the latest incident that uh, involved attacks being made on uh, power substations uh, and power transformers uh, that was not that uh, had resulted in knocking out uh, electrical power to a considerable number of folks. Uh, this started, of course, I believe all the way back in something like 2013 in San Jose. But then in more recent times, uh, there was a reported episode of this uh, that was really played up uh, quite strongly in mainstream media in, in North Carolina, where I believe that up to 40,000 people lost their power for a couple of a uh, couple of days. Uh, and then in more recent times, like in the last couple, two or three days, it might have happened on Christmas Day. Uh, the Times of Israel reported that in Tacoma, Washington, where ironically enough, I was ordained a Lutheran pastor on Veterans Day in 1984. Uh, in Tacoma, Washington, uh, there was another armed attack uh, on these uh, uh, power stations and transformers and so forth that knocked out uh, power uh, to, I believe, 14,000 people in Tacoma on on the 25th of December, uh, Christmas Day, here in the Western world. And once again, the Times of Israel spun this report by uh, quoting anonymous sources with the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, as indicating that it was strongly believed by these federal investigators that so-called neo-Nazis were involved, people who were trying to start a race war in the United States. Oh, white uh, nationalists again. Yeah, exactly. The white nationalist, white supremacist thing. J6 uh, people. Yeah, exa exactly. And so uh, this, this once again kind of dovetails uh, going back 14 years ago, plus to the MIAC report of 2008. And then, of course, the other group, which always gets tagged, which uh, has not been tagged, 
recently by mainstream media in regard to these uh, power transformer attacks has uh, been the Islamic community. Uh, and of course, uh, as, as we all know, a disproportionate amount of federal money that is uh, used to develop uh, uh, so-called domestic security in the United States uh, has has gone to Jewish communities and Jewish community centers and synagogues and so forth. Uh, and, and this, too, is suggestive of some of the underlying tensions that are going on in our society that have been for years, especially since 9-11. But uh, it would appear that with the uh, uh, with a coup d'etat in Kiev in February of 2014, uh, and now with the, the Zelensky regime in the saddle in Kiev and the, what Philip Giraldi and others have, have noted has been the strong disproportionate, uh, emphasis in the Jewish community of, in the United States and the so-called Israeli and Jewish lobbies in supporting Zelensky, in supporting uh, the Ukrainian effort against Putin's Russia. This has uh, been an attempt to turn Zelensky into some type of virtual messianic figure in the United States. And then that culminated in this uh, sickening appearance that he made recently before a joint session of Congress, where uh, the, the outgoing Congress dutifully uh, put up another $44 billion for Zelensky of your money and mine. Uh, at the same time uh, that... Uh, all of his crimes, and I emphasize crimes, these are my words here at this point, quoting others, but I believe it to be accurate. Zelensky's crimes in a series of things that have transpired in Ukraine uh, in the last eight years, and especially since the 24th of February, uh, underscore not only the criminal character of Zelensky uh, and different things that uh, his administration has approved, not simply in uh, Kiev and in Ukraine, but also uh, in the uh, in the events in Moscow with the Dugina assassination on uh, August 20th and, and many other things like this. Uh, this is a guy who is uh, increasingly properly perceived as being both criminally oriented and perceived as being unstable. And he seems to have a particular zealotry. Uh, for attacking the Ukrainian Orthodox Church because of its historic relationship with the uh, with the uh, Eastern or uh, Eastern Orthodox or Russian Orthodox Pontiff uh, uh, in Moscow, Kirill. So this starts getting into uh, an entire geopolitical uh, agenda as it relates to this situation with Ukraine and with the events in the Russian-Ukrainian war since the 24th of February that has strong religious overtones. And when I say religious overtones, uh, you know, when you start looking at uh, what we might properly understand to be the religion and the morality, as it were, of, of, of global homo or the new world order, of the folks who are, uh, are, are lobbying for world government, uh, these are folks who have a dis- disproportionate amount of hostility uh, toward Christianity, that real Christianity, especially now the Orthodox variety, and especially the, uh, you know, Eastern Orthodoxy generally and the Russian Orthodox Church specifically. And, and these are folks, of course, as you know, given your Islamic faith, have had a disproportionate hostility toward uh, mainstream Islam for a very, very long period of time. 
because of the identity of the people in this cabal that is uh, pushing this new world order agenda. You, so you, know, this, you know, Mark, we could almost imagine that just as there was that early 1930s headline in that uh, international uh, Jewish paper, Judea declares war on Germany. Exactly. We, we could have had on September 11, 2001, Judea declares war on Islam. And then starting in 2014, Judea declares war on Russia. Exactly. And, you know, the most incredible thing to me, a day or two ago, I'm driving in my car and these latest Russian missile strikes uh, were mentioned on uh, 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 the local ABC News affiliate here in San Antonio, AM 550, KSAT 12, uh, ABC News. And uh, the reference was made to these uh, cruise missile strikes and also to the drone strikes uh, that uh, Russia had going in this in just this latest phase, uh, some 120 uh, missile strikes, it has been alleged, uh, aimed at different uh, parts uh, of Ukraine in regard to uh, the power grid, in regard to uh, the uh, economic infrastructure as it relates to uh, logistics depots, as it relates to uh, uh, railroad tracks and all, all of these different things. And uh, unbelievably, the ABC News uh, uh, radio anchor was talking about the horror of the fact that two, and I am quoting here, two civilians uh, were uh, lost their lives in the Kharkiv region uh, in these Russian strikes. They didn't seem to worry about the Iraqi and Afghan civilians that much, did they? No, they didn't. As a matter of fact, obviously, uh, you know, perhaps as well or better than anyone and certainly better than I, that in terms of what was done to Iraq, what was done to Afghanistan, what was done uh, to to Libya in the wake of the extra extrajudicial assassination of Muammar Gaddafi, uh, the horror of what has been transpiring uh, since 2011 in Syria, uh, courtesy of this uh, alliance between the United States uh, in Israel, uh, in, uh, in certain uh, Wahhabic extremists linked up to the Saudi Arabian, uh, Saudi Arabian regime, principally, uh, we're talking about, what, thousands of deaths? For sure, I have actually read an estimate at one point that there may have been as many as a million civilians killed in these American airstrikes since Bush got going with this war on terror. This doesn't even begin to count the number of people who have had their lives ruined, millions have been displaced, right? I mean, just in Syria alone, what you have uh, a population uh, at the outset of the a war that was, what, 17 million maybe in the country? And uh, at least half of these people are alleged to have been displaced from their homes. And when you start talking about uh, uh, the number of, uh, of, of casualties uh, in these conflicts, I believe in Syria, what are we looking at there alone between killed and wounded, maybe half a million? I'm, I'm rusty on these figures. Yeah, I would have to bring on uh, Dr. Gideon Paglia to get those exact numbers. And he, he estimates them uh, quite a bit higher than okay. the mainstream sources. Yes. And his methodology accepts the mainstream sources on direct uh, killings uh, in, in fighting, which adds up in all of these post-9-11 wars to several million. Yes. And then he adds on others uh, killed by deprivation uh, and I suppose by things like depleted uranium and, you know, all sorts of things and, and gets millions more. And he ends up with uh, he, he then adds the people who would have been born if their parents hadn't been killed. 
and using uh, sort of a de- demographic method, looking at what the population of these countries should have been if there hadn't been these wars and what the population actually is, and then subtracting the, the refugees who were driven out, he comes up with this total of 27 million people either killed or not existing because their parents were killed uh, due to these wars. Yeah, and according to Madeleine Albright, uh, our uh, our witch with the broomstick now departed the late Madeleine Albright, uh, just the estimated, what, half a million Iraqi children under the age of five, five or, or, or younger who lost their lives as a result of these sanctions uh, and, and as a result of these military operations in that country. You know, it was uh, deliberately targeted, those civilians. That's, you know, Russia is, sure. is trying its best not to harm civilians. Exactly. And the, the U.S. deliberately targeted the civilians, and yet we look at the propaganda, and they're, it's, it's as if, uh, you know, the Russians are, are the worst, most, you know, barbarous kinds of, of, you know, heathen, uh, cruel types. It's, it's kind of an inversion of reality, isn't it? It's, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, on the, the real right in the United States, on the, in the anti-war, uh, Robert Taft, Pat Buchanan, Ron Paul wing of the Republican Party, uh, you have had people like Ron Paul and Pat Buchanan and David Stockman from time to time who have emphasized the case, and Mike Whitney's another one that comes up, uh, that uh, uh, Putin's war is entirely justified in Ukraine when one goes all the way back to the Bill Clinton administration and to the beginning of these uh, NATO expansions uh, in the 1990s, all of which broke uh, the word of uh, the Reagan Bush and Jim Baker people uh, to Gorbachev in regard to what the United States would do and not do in the wake of the uh, end of the old Soviet Union. Well, of course, we uh, subsequently recruited all of these former Warsaw Pact countries uh, to become a part of NATO. Uh, we began to move all kinds of military assets ever closer to Russian borders. And then, of course, uh, in this situation in Ukraine, uh, it didn't take a real genius to figure out that this uh, coup d'etat in February of 2014 uh, in Kiev was engineered by the CIA, the British MI6. And uh, uh, Israel, I think, had a hand in the whole thing. Certainly uh, other elements in the, uh, of the EU are very supportive of it. And after overthrowing a legitimate regime, uh, you then had an eight-year period of time, as you know, Dr. Barrett, where uh, these ethnic Russians in the Donbass, I think at least 14,000, 15,000 of these people at a bare minimum lost their lives uh, because of these attempts to forcibly integrate them uh, uh, as, as a part of a, a country governed by a regime in Kiev that was illegitimate. Uh, these ethnic Russians in the Donbass and the Lugansk uh, People's Republic and the uh, and the uh, Lugansk People's Republic did not want to be a part of, of being ruled by this stooge regime there. And uh, between the wishes of those folks and certainly the Crimeans had a referendum uh, whereby a staggering percentage they wanted to and, and did uh, a vote to to uh, reaffiliate themselves with Russia. Uh, and, of, and of course, all of that is deemed by the West to be illegitimate uh, at the same time that it's just wonderful uh, that uh, there was yet another regime change uh, in, in that country in February of 2014 that was entirely illegitimate. 
that was not simply illegal, uh, but involved uh, this rather curious alliance uh, between this Jewish cabal that has had a disproportionate amount of influence uh, in the in this Kiev regime since 2014, uh, uh, and and uh, and where you had these Jewish oligarchs like uh, Kolomoisky backing people like Zelensky uh, to as a means of getting control of that country's government. Uh, at the same time, as you know that all of these sordid neo-fascist, uh, neo-Nazi organizations uh, in Ukraine uh, that go back to people like Stefan Bandera uh, and these uh, other uh, Nazi sympathizers during the Second World War, uh, you, you have this Jewish cabal in alliance with this uh, Azov battalion and with right sector and with two or three other of these uh, literal neo-Nazi and, and, and fascist organizations. But, but the, uh, of course, the rhetoric is that they can't possibly be Nazi because they're Jewish or they don't they, they like Jews. OK, so they can't be Nazi. And then if you point out, well, they run around with swastikas and, you know, they uh, they're basically walk and talk and quack like Nazis. Then the response is, well, OK, maybe they're Nazis, but they're they're good Nazis. There are Nazis. Yeah, that's right. There are there. There are these are really evil people. But as long as they're with us, they're really OK. Yeah, that's, uh, what, so, that's what they used to say about, you know, the pe- people like uh, the General Somoza of Nicaragua. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. a son of a bitch. but He's our son of a bitch. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, and of course, the United States and the cabal have, a, as you know, a very long history of this sort of thing uh, in Southeast Asia, in Latin America, uh, in Europe. Uh, you know, we've we we have a, a very, very ugly track record, of course, uh, that American mainstream media uh, has been working overtime to to conceal so much of this from the American public in regard to these uh, Zionist neoconservatives, of course, whose crimes go all the way back to uh, things uh, that uh, the average American has no idea of, uh, you know, the Levon affair, the Kennedy assassination and the Meyer Lansky, David Ben-Gurion link to the Kennedy assassination. And of course, uh, 9-11, you perhaps as much as anyone in the business uh, we're in the forefront of what was going on with that right after it happened. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you're dealing with the Pollard and IPAC uh, spy cases, the Promise affair, all of these other things uh, of which it would seem that the Zelensky regime uh, is is but the latest manifestation. Uh, as I uh, said uh, in one of these uh, talk shows recently where I was being asked, uh, to kind of sum up what was going on in Ukraine as it related to the New World Order, I said, let us ask this question. How do you have an Orthodox country fighting another Orthodox country and having as their president a Jewish drag queen comedian? Now, you just think through something like that, and this is where this whole business of American democracy, quote-unquote, whether you're looking at the travesty that has been made of American government in your lifetime and, and mine and, and even before, or you're looking at these ongoing international crimes that are simply beyond belief, crimes against Palestinians, crimes against Libyans, crimes against Syrians, crimes against Afghanis, crimes against Iraqis, uh, and, and crimes on an ongoing basis against Iranians, 
that will likely result uh, in the eventual granting of a wish to the Zionist entity uh, to be given the green light to attack Iran. But I've got news for these people. Uh, Russia and China will be in alliance with Iran in, in that eventuality, I believe. And this, I, I think we're seeing the great turning point in history uh, where the Zionist beast has finally bitten off more than it can chew and uh, where this circus that they've been running in uh, Ukraine since the so-called Orange Revolution of 2003-2004 and then, the, of course, the illegal coup d'etat in February of uh, 2014. This is now reaching the point where the quicksand is getting thicker and deeper uh, and more lethal constantly. And uh, this should just about do it, I would guess, for the uh, Anglo-American Zionist empire. I, I, I suspect that uh, it's now in its final stages before its eclipse. Uh, and it, of course, will be an ugly scene between now and then with a lot of tragedy involved. But uh, I suspect that uh, these folks, uh, whether they realize it or not, are on their way out. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I was just talking with uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones the other day on False Flag Weekly News about this. And he predicted that the war would end in 2023 and that Russia would defeat the West. And so we discussed the ramifications of that, why that would be the case. And kind of what it came down to really at the end of the day is that when you have these two nuclear armed to the teeth powers at each other's throats in a game of chicken, when whoever swerves loses, then nobody can back down. Uh, the U.S. will lose its empire if it backs down, and the Russians will lose their country. It will be broken up and essentially destroyed if they back down. And that's where the difference really is, because losing your empire is not quite the same as having your country destroyed and broken into pieces. So ultimately, the Russians have more skin in the game than the Americans, or should I say the oligarchs who rule the American empire. And yes. the American side is going to have to swerve in the game of chicken. They're going to have to back down first if they don't want to destroy the world or cause a destruction of most of civilization through a nuclear exchange. And so that's the most likely outcome. Uh, would you agree with that? Yes, I absolutely agree with Dr. Jones on that. And you know what's interesting? When you get into this whole business of ideology, and this is where I find Alexander Dugan to be such a fascinating figure, is uh, due to the marvels of technology and a lot of hard work on the part of people who do uh, serious academic uh, translation work, making these uh, various uh, articles uh, in places like uh, Geopolitica and Catahan uh, available to me in English because I don't read Russian. Uh, this is where I've, I've been reading uh, and trying to educate myself on this whole business of uh, the Eurasian movement and Dugan's uh, Eurasian philosophy. Uh, there are, uh, is a strong Christian eschatological overtone to much of what he writes. And in reading uh, some of his works before this tragedy happened to him when his, when his daughter was so brutally murdered, uh, just just the, the most sickening uh, crime, which I think epitomizes uh, the uh, the American empire and the bums that we have supported over many years. Yeah, it's uh, going, going after people's family and not just people, but going after a philosopher's family, a philosopher who's not a combatant in any way, shape or form. Exactly. It's, yeah. And and in uh, killing this young lady in, in an absolutely abhorrent 
heinous fashion where her her dad, uh, due to the tragic character of how this was set up, witnessed this thing take place in what was apparently designed to get him. Uh, but nonetheless, the criminal character of that, I think, embodies the criminal effort of the American empire generally uh, in my lifetime and before. Uh, and it's now reached the point to where this this Dugina assassination to me uh, simply simply emphasizes that the Zelensky regime of all of the horrible regimes that uh, we the American uh, empire and the Zionist cabal that runs it have, have supported over many years. Uh, this this uh, this tragedy of uh, August 20th underscores to me that the the level of evil in this thing has reached a whole new uh, uh, peak at the same time uh, that average Americans at some point, when you consider how decadent the country has become, we are a moral and spiritual toilet. I certainly think you would agree with that, Dr. Barrett. And when we start asking ourselves, uh, in terms of fighting for the American empire on a military basis, what are we prepared to surrender our own lives and the lives of our children and grandchildren uh, for? Uh, is it the LGBTQ movement? Uh, is it uh, Jewish feminism? And we, the we, Jewish we want to live in a country where anybody can be anything, where, where a, uh, a gender-confused individual can become a suitcase-stealing nuclear bureaucrat with top security clearances. <laughs> exactly. What's that guy's name? Sam, Sam Brinkman, Brinkman or something. Yeah. Brinton or Brinkman or something. Brinton, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. This, he's, he's a poster boy yeah. uh, or whatever <laughs> he is, a poster something for, for just how sick uh, this country and, and its cabal leadership really have become. Well, we were joking that though, maybe his excuse is that it was a nuclear briefcase or a nuclear uh, a suitcase nuke. <laughs> hey, that, that must be. He saved that the world. Hey, he saved the world. And, when you look at this, what is the ideological basis uh, for our population in any sense prevailing in a war that would involve Putin's Russia, uh, which uh, has all of the economic commodities that we need, which is revitalized uh, with a, a, uh, a post-Bolshevik Russian Orthodox uh, culture? That uh, is 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 transforming them in a post-Bolshevik sort of way, but who can believe that the American Empire, as decadent as it is, uh, sexually decadent, where everything involves degenerate consumerism and 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 all the rest of it? I think Mike Jones speaks as well to that as anybody in the business, which is why I subscribe to culture wars. But since that's the way that it is. And then you look at a revitalized Russian economy, Russian nationalistic structure rooted in Russian Orthodox revival as opposed to Bolshevism. And then you look at the alliance, uh, economic and otherwise, that has emerged between Putin's Russia and China uh, and the way in which uh, Iran fits into this picture with both of those countries. Does anyone believe, truly believe, that uh, an American military establishment that despite the fact that it spends more money than any other military establishment on the face of the earth has not won a war since 1945. Uh, our record is a at, a at best a tie in Korea. We lost the Vietnam War. And when you start looking at these... Uh, hey, we, we beat Grenada. 
Yeah, that we did beat Grenada. Clint Eastwood's movie Heartbreak Ridge uh, emphasizes that terrific victory. That's right. I forgot about Grenada. Uh, <laughs> and then when you look at uh, Heartbreak Ridge was a good movie. And it uh, just uh, just the, the spin is rather troublesome for those of us who now see through the empire. But then you look at the at these Middle Eastern uh, wars uh, that uh, that began in earnest uh, with with Bush. And of course, even before that, uh, Clinton's uh, 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 illegitimate, heinous bombing of Serbia in 1999. All of these things that have transpired since uh, in uh, what is what is the American military point to? Uh, is is a track record of victory? It can't. I mean, this debacle in Afghanistan was but the latest embarrassment. And and so with this kind of track record in military operations, with a decadent population, with a $32 trillion national debt and counting, and with all the rest of this stuff, uh, do the American people really believe that it is in their interest to fight a war with Putin, China, and Iran. And all, people, all at the same time, Mark. That's what I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, it's, if, it's absolute lunacy. If, if you, like, you, you know, you'd think you'd sort of take them one at a time and you'd try to be friends with maybe two of them while you, you know, whittle away at the the third. You know, you don't, you wouldn't want to have them all hate you at once and all work together against you. But it seems the neocons are so extreme and belligerent that they've alienated all three major powers profoundly and driven them into each other's arms. Exactly. And so, it, as, I, as I've said on numerous occasions, just since February 24th, I said, folks, when you look at this, this is not only a demonic level of evil personified, multiplied by, by 10 to the third power or whatever you want to say, but this is also craziness. This goes beyond merely being evil. The notion that the American Empire uh, and the in the British Navy coming along for the ride that these guys are going to prevail against Russia, China, and Iran in a global conflict. I mean, this is rubber room material, Doctor Barrett. This, you know, this is what gets me. It's not only evil; it's not only satanic in the extreme, but it's flat crazy. Uh, you know, some people do things that are evil, that are, are that are at least thought through, and that are calculated to have a good chance of success, even though they're evil. But this has zero chance of success, and uh, will bring about the downfall of those perpetrating these things, which is the good news. But the bad news is that in the process, uh, they potentially are going to kill millions of people on all sides. Right. And there's also, of course, the ongoing destruction of the Republic and of liberty in the United States. You mentioned earlier that the internment camp plans, these various plans for rounding up dissidents have been around for quite some time. Ollie North worked on that back in the Contra War era, 1970s-ish and 80s. Uh, and since then, these kinds of plans have morphed. And most of that time, 
I've always said, let's not panic about this, folks. Uh, you know, and Alex Jones would be yapping about the box cars and the, the guillotines <laughs> and the box cars and all this yep. sort of thing. You know, I, I would say, nah, I don't, I don't think that's probably, they're not coming for us, at least not yet. When Jim Fetzer would be screaming that Jade Helm is coming to lock us up in the basement of Walmart. You know, I'd say, ah, Jim, come on. And I, I bet him lunch that it, we wouldn't be locked up in the basement of Walmart by whatever, September or something. And, and I won the bet. He had to buy me lunch. Uh, so usually I'm not the first guy to be worried about that stuff, but at this point, you know, knowing history, knowing what happened to the people who opposed U.S. involvement in World War One when we went into World War One, and the uh, same thing again with World War Two, when you're involved in a huge war, it's very likely that dissent will be crushed quite brutally, and what we're looking at now is the possibility of a really huge war. So. I wouldn't completely discount the possibility that these kinds of supposedly paranoid visions of internment camps in America and the brutal crushing of dissent and so on might happen. They're already crushing dissent moderately brutally on the Internet, as we've seen the FBI, CIA, three-letter agencies are all over social media uh, telling these oligarchs you know, who to purge and, and who to censor. And so we don't have a free Internet anymore. In, in you know five to ten years, we've lost the free Internet. And I wouldn't be too surprised if we lose free real life pretty soon, too. I think uh, I, I'm guessing that the uh, that that will transpire when there is a formal uh, declaration of war on the part of the United States uh, against Russia and China and Iran. That sounds preposterous enough to even say such a thing, but it certainly is a live possibility. And I think at that point. Uh, all of the plans that uh, have been laid for years for this American domestic police state and, of course, the latest stuff that has now come out uh, on on Twitter uh, and the various things that have been published by Matt Tabibi and others in regard to the way in which uh, Twitter uh, and then, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram and Google and all these other people have been working hand in glove with the American deep state to to suppress dissent. Uh, to remove responsible opinion from being expressed uh, in these venues. And, and certainly, uh, whatever one thinks of Donald Trump, uh, the, uh, and I have always insisted that his uh, uh, strong Zionist connections do not make him a credible America first candidate, with me at least. But uh, in terms of the 2020 election, the mere fact that the deep state has now pro been proven to have worked overtime uh, with all of these uh, social media outlets to suppress the New York Times or the New York Post Hunter Biden laptop story in the two or three weeks running up to the 2020 elections. This this is the amount of power that these people have. They continue to exercise that type of power. Uh, you continue to uh, you know see the way in which uh, a lot of folks have have avoided prosecution. Uh, for their involvement in the uh, Epstein uh, Maxwell uh, sex ring, which clearly was a Mossad uh, a blackmail operation from the word go. Uh, and then as you you know continue to to see all of these criminal activities uh, in regard to everything that, uh, that has transpired with Ukraine just since 2003, on top of all of these other tragedies, uh, it's uh, it, it certainly would suggest that the methodology is in, is there, the intent is there, the structure is there to implement uh, the kinds of uh, 
persecutions of dissidents in the event of a full global war that would make what FDR did to the Japanese Americans look pale by comparison. I think we would be looking at internment camps. We would be looking at executions. Uh, and uh, who knows how many of us, because of the stuff we've been doing for 20 some odd years, might find us uh, at the head of the line in terms of uh, some uh, really bad things, uh, maybe even terminal things that would be done to uh, to at least remove us from planet Earth, which uh, actually isn't that bad of an option <laughs> if you think about the way it's going. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we'll, we'll be on the right side of the barbed wire or uh on the right side of the uh the other <laughs> the other world or whatever. Yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah. Maybe on the wrong side of barbed wire this side of eternity, but but certainly in in terms of the 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 verdict of uh of uh of 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 history uh at the end of history and the ultimate verdict of of, of God in these matters, I have every confidence that we're on the right side. It just won't feel uh, like it between now and the time. Well, of course, all, uh, all the interesting people to talk to will be on our side of the barbed wire. That's right. That's we, and maybe they'll uh, allow us to occasionally do a show inside the confines of the camp. I don't <laughs> so, sometimes know. I feel like that's almost what's going on already. You know, the, the concept <laughs> yeah. of the free speech zone. I remember going to that uh, Republican convention in 2004. I think it was in, in Minneapolis. And, uh, where was that? 2008. Anyway, it was, they, they had those barbed wire free speech zones, like a little cave in a vacant lot, you know, surrounded by barbed wire. And you, uh, you go in there and, and say whatever you want, you know, far away from all of the convention attendees. And sometimes now it feels like with social media being so censored that, you know, those of us who are broadcasting and unable to get this out on social media because, you know, if we're lucky enough to still be on or to have our friends who are still on social media, they're not going to be able to propagate our ideas to very many people who don't already know them because of the shadow banning that goes on. They've, you know, turned the dials down so that their algorithms do not promote our work. So it's already almost like being in a sort of a virtual barbed wired off free speech zone to be doing yes. the kind of work that we do. No question about it. And again, uh, I had in my uh, end of year show today with RBN, uh, I uh, had a, a list of people that I mentioned at the end of the broadcast uh, that uh, are folks that I uh, uh, think of as departed warriors uh, in our movement. And when I consider uh, the number of people that we uh, have lost in this movement due to the passage of time just in the last dozen years or more, uh, it underscores that those who have, uh, like you and I, who have continued in this over a period of years now, pretty significant number of years, that uh, it's amazing that we're still fighting the good fight in any sense of the word, uh, given the uh, not just the marginalization economically and politically, but now the way uh, in with uh, algorithms and in the social media constructs uh, in conjunction with American and Western intelligence agencies, uh, we uh, we really are probably at an end game and being able to do this uh, for sure, I would imagine. Once this global war starts, if it does, and I suspect that it will. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting how you, you can actually see the shadow banning, the power that it has. Um, for instance, uh, I have a post on Quora, which was not shadow banned because it you know it has no political anything, and you know my work on Quora apparently didn't attract the shadow banners in time. So I answered a question about what's the dark side of Moroccans that the world doesn't know about, and 
it, I just did kind of a standard, you know, Moroccan studies answer about, uh, oh, what are you talking about? The whole, <laughs> all of this Orientalist literature talks all about all of these alleged dark sides of Moroccans and blah, blah, blah. And, and so this has nothing, you know, no political kind of censorship material in there. So it wasn't shadow banned. And it's currently almost at 4 million views. And then if I compare my interview with Ron Unz about his thesis that COVID came out of a deep state bio attack on China and Iran, I put that on YouTube. I put it on Rumble. Well, the Rumble channel is not shadow banned. So that video is pushing a million views there. And on YouTube, it just shot up to a few thousand and stopped. You know, so you can theoretically, of course, it should have many, many more views on YouTube than on Rumble because YouTube has a much bigger base. So that almost million views on Rumble is the equivalent of probably 10 million plus on YouTube, but they capped it. And so it got stuck at a couple of thousand. Uh, so you can really see how this works, how they construct these so-called free speech zones on the internet. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you look at this sort of thing, uh, there was a fellow who put out a video and the video, it was on YouTube and it had a lot of hits and it was entitled the subversion of American orthodoxy, uh, meaning, uh, or the Orthodox church in the United States. Uh, the video named names. It uh, had plenty of uh, corroboration for the charges that it was making. Uh, the guy who put the video out was talking in particular uh, about the way in which the Fordham University Orthodox Studies Department there uh, was uh, just infiltrated with people who were t uh, trying to take the Orthodox Church down the same road uh, that uh, the Roman Catholic Church went down with Vatican II and has been going down ever since. Well, of course, this thing was eventually simply jerked off of YouTube this gentleman, I uh, does have it on uh, Rumble, I believe, but uh, he was, uh, you know, Fordham University uh, complained that uh, certain uh, copyright violations had occurred. This guy proved to my satisfaction with something that he posted uh, in explaining all of this, that there were no so-called copyright violations of anything that had transpired, that this was once again uh, in a, uh, a very successful attempt on the part of the deep state. Uh, working with the uh, usual cabal at YouTube to ensure that this kind of material was not getting the kind of exposure that it otherwise was uh, up until it was pulled. And, of course, this goes for Dr. Kevin Barrett, goes for Dr. E. Michael Jones. I believe uh, Mike woke up one day and discovered that his entire YouTube operation, if I'm remembering this correctly, with all of these videos that had astronomical numbers of hits, that was simply uh, uh, pulled off offline without any even conversation or dialogue with E. Michael Jones. Yep, happened and, to me too. Yeah, and uh, and so uh, uh, Barrett and Jones would be uh, two obvious examples of people known internationally, far more so than I, who had a global outreach on YouTube that was reaching staggering numbers of people, and then lo and behold, all of a sudden you guys aren't there anymore. Uh, and this, uh, this can be attributed to nothing other than the, uh, uh, vis evisceration of the First Amendment at the behest of the people who own and run these, uh, major social media outlets and do so in conjunction, uh, with the deep state. And the deep state is, of course, 
obviously linked with the cabal that we know only too well. So this is where it is. And, uh, and, and we just have to make do and to fight it out as best we can until that time comes when I suspect this global war that these people have been angling for uh, actually happens. Uh, and when that happens, I suspect we will be completely at, at best just be off the air. And in the worst case scenario, we'll be formally declared enemies of the state, rounded up, and then only God knows what happens to us from there. But our lives, as you know, Dr. Baird, are in God's hands, and uh, we have done nothing to apologize for or be ashamed of. And in, in, and in upholding uh, freedom of speech in this country and the First Amendment, uh, upholding the Bill of Rights, uh, pointing out that the cabal that runs our government we identify who these people are. We have done so repeatedly. We uh, underscore that they are criminals, demonstrably criminal uh, in intent and, and, and criminal in all kinds of actions that they have engaged in over decades. And then, of course, uh, to the extent that we have exposed their criminal operations uh, internationally as well as domestically, uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's a special place for us. Uh, in whatever they, uh, whatever it is they may have planned, uh, right here in San Antonio, the global internet surveillance system for the National Security Agency, uh, working in conjunction with Microsoft is right here in San Antonio, which is Military Town USA. It's the home of the U.S. Air Force's Air Intelligence Agency and who knows how many other uh, federal uh, intelligence agencies have significant operations here, but the NSA, for sure, for whatever reason, put their global Internet surveillance operation here uh, and not in Fort Meade, Maryland. So here we are tonight probably being heard by more people than we can possibly imagine or that we necessarily would want to hear us. Uh, but nonetheless, that's uh, we we attract a lot of attention from these folks. Uh, and in so doing, uh, yeah, it's gotten us a certain level of notoriety. Yes, we have reached some good people who have learned things through us, but uh, our lives might get tougher before they get better. Well, we haven't been Bill Coopered yet anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. That hasn't happened yet. And, uh, you know, we're still uh, in better shape than Vince Foster and Ron Brown and Seth Rich, among other people. I was just reading this uh thing that came out this past June. I just came across it on uh, V Contacta, this Bill Middleton character, who was a, uh, a chief uh, chief aide to Bill Clinton and a chief aide to Bill Clinton's uh, uh, old chief of staff, Mac McClarty. And this fellow, whose name was Mark Middleton, uh, was responsible for facilitating seven of the 17 known entries of Jeffrey Epstein into the White House for a personal meeting with Bill Clinton. This guy, Mark Middleton, accompanied Clinton on some of these trips to to uh, Epstein Island. Uh, and this last this past June, Mark Middleton turned up dead uh, in a situation where he was found uh, uh, in a in a park uh, with uh, having been hung. Uh, as well as uh, having been shot in the chest with a shotgun, uh, his death was ruled a suicide. He shot himself, and then he, he hanged himself just for good measure. Yeah, apparently so. And, uh, and so in this regard, this is yet another instance, of course, where the American public, 
uh, you know, uh, just uh, either doesn't even know about this thing uh, or any of these other criminal episodes or or is, is so passive uh, that it cannot even think of what the implications of things like this are uh, when they not only happen, but are given explanations that are absolutely inherently asinine. But then we have to say that an American public who could buy the Warren Commission explanation for Kennedy's assassination and an American public who uh, buys the notion that Israel's attack on the USS Liberty was just an accident and things of this of this sort. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, are, they're a little slow, Mark. Well, we're, we're hitting the bumper music. I will be back to talk about the Kennedy uh, coup d'etat in the second hour with, with Edward Curtin. But uh, thank you uh, so much, Mark Dankoff. Your uh, brave truth-speaking is very much appreciated, and uh, may God reward you for it. Thank you, Doctor, and have a great second hour. God All bless right, you. thanks. God bless you, too. Bye-bye. It's Mark Dankoff. Back in the second hour with Edward Curtin. I'm Kevin Barrett. This is Truth Jihad Radio of truthjihad.com. We'll be 